if you are able to stand, I want to invite you to stand at the reading of God's holy and perfect word. What he has chosen for Redeemer Church this morning to worship him is Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to read it. And I believe it is God's word for us. And if after I read it, when I say this is the word of the Lord, if you agree with me, I want to invite you to say, thanks be to God. Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. A scroll written within and on the back. Sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down. And worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we caught the first half of the worship service in heaven. In Revelation chapter 4. 
the book brought us out of chapters 2 and 3, the suffering of Christ's people, all the chaos and unpredictability, and brought us in chapter 4 to a higher throne, and mostly to one who was seated on that throne. He was seated. He is still sitting. In perfect peace, in spite of all that his people are facing, he's sitting in complete control. Beloved, last week we saw from chapter 4 that there is a God who can handle every problem we got. But the question is, will he? Chapter 4 didn't answer that question. Will he? Or will he just sit there whenever you are overwhelmed, whenever I am overwhelmed with the threats of this godless world? Whenever we are overwhelmed by the pressures all around us to give in, to be just like everyone else. For, for Christians to just give up on trusting the Lord. We can many times just feel like God's way up there, way away, just sitting and doing nothing else. But then we come to Revelation 5, which is in our Bibles to tell us what he's going to do to fix our problems. We see a God seated on a throne who also has a mission. And he needs someone. To carry it out. The title. Of this sermon is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone worthy? To be trusted. To carry out that work. We're. We're, we're watching. What it is. That the one seated on the throne is going to do. And what I want you to notice before we move on is how this passage is moving all in relation to the one on the throne. I want you to see three scenes just real quickly. The first scene starts in verse one. It directs our attention to the one who is, it says, on the throne. And then in verse six, someone else comes who is between the throne. And then verse 11, there is this third scene of telling us what the one seated on the throne in glory is going to do when we hear something around the throne. So three points. Point number one is the scroll of judgment sealed up. We see in verses one through three, the scroll of judgment. Sealed up. 
So all of a sudden we get something new than, than what we've seen up there in, in heaven. Now we go from the one who's seated on the throne and the, and the heavenly camera zooms in on his right hand. The hand of power. The hand of this one who is way up in glory. Who is served by those majestic creatures. Who is worthy of all honor. His right hand is there in verse 1. And there is a scroll in it. Now, the first people who received this book, the book of Revelation, would have known what that scroll was. They, They would have thought of Scripture. When they hear the word scroll. Oh, he's got scripture in his hand. Because they had Bibles back in their day. But they were their Bibles were, were just individual scrolls of whatever book of the Bible they ended up having. At their local church. They had scrolls with God's purposes, his promises written on them. And how he was going to interact with the world. And it's telling That when we come into the heavenly worship service, the Bible takes the focus. Beloved, just know this. For the rest of your lives, when you gather for worship, the Bible better be driving it. It does there. And it should here. Well, the prophet Ezekiel talked about a scroll. And he described it in the same way. It said, he said that there would be a scroll that was covered front and back with words of woe and sorrow and judgment. I want you to remember the setting. Whenever we see this God in Revelation 4, there's lightning and thunder. If you were here that last week, you would know that's a foreshadowing of judgment. Just like it was at Sinai. It's a scroll of judgment that's all sealed up. The way we can, we don't have to guess what that scroll is. You don't have to get around over lunch and say, what do you think the scroll is? Well, I think it's this, whatever. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do it at all. Not only because of what Ezekiel said, you can just turn one page to the right and see the scroll actually get opened. In Revelation chapter 6, let me give you just one example of one of the seals being opened. Verse 3, the second seal, when it's opened, verse 4 tells us what happens. Peace is taken from the earth. People slay one another. And there's a great sword. It's a scroll of judgment. That's all sealed up. All sealed up. Seven. Seven seals. Completely sealed. In his right hand. And seven times it's sealed. No one's going to open this. Is anyone worthy? It's communicating just how precious this thing is. Clenched in his hand. God's judgment. Beloved. Is precious to God. And that should. Make you worship him. That there is a God. Who is committed. To making every single wrong. Right. He's going to judge. 
He is the God who has always revealed himself in this way. The God who is gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and who will by no means clear the guilty. He will judge. Is anyone worthy to open and, and then begin God's judgment of the world? That's, that's the invitation that goes out in verse 2. That mighty angel sees that sealed up scroll and says, who is worthy? I wonder if you've got any good candidates for the job. You should be able to come up with some people who are quick to judge. You know, people who you know, and maybe maybe it's you, <laughs> uh, who always wants to call the shots. Will you step up? I can tell you as a soccer coach in the middle of soccer season, I know there's lots of people out there who want to step up. God's got a job and there's a lot of glory tied to that job. They want to step up. Maybe this is a good time for me to remind you one of the things that we're regularly saying to our children. And that is resist every inclination in your heart to draw attention to yourself. Especially when God's people are worshiping God. Oh, I don't know if anyone heard that, but you've got to hear it. There is this selfish, glory-seeking desire in all of us, and it can be on display most on Sunday mornings. Adults need to hear that. I need to hear that. Don't draw attention to yourself. And here's an opportunity. You know, one of the things that, one of the signs of our fallenness, one of the signs that something's desperately wrong with this world is just how confident you and I are that we know what's right and we know what's wrong. Have you not seen this in yourself? Aren't you so regularly and quickly confident? I know what to do and I know what's right and that's wrong. I'll just take it to me. How often I mouth off about how wrong others are. And the closer it gets to me, the more confident I am. How wrong they are. And then, when I calm down, how quickly God reveals how wrong I was. I want you to notice when the invitation goes out, to apply for this job of being the one who receives the glory of judging for God, of approaching that throne and taking 
that scroll of judgment. I want you to know that you and I are all going to hear verse 2 again in that setting. It's going to come directly, that invitation to us. And verse 3 says, no one in heaven was able to open the scroll. No one on earth was able to open the scroll. No one under the earth, that's those who are dead. No one alive, ever. No one in heaven, ever. It's very interesting, to me anyway, that something will happen there in that moment that is so contrary to everything that happens here. I mean, there are people who will not miss any opportunity for glory here. And not one of them steps up there. All delusions will be gone. And no one dares to approach him. Now, if you're here and you don't, this God that I'm talking about is totally foreign to you. You don't live with him like he's glorious. You don't really believe in him. I hope that this scene encourages you. That's what I mean. That God has a plan to make every wrong right. And he will not trust the best candidates you can come up with to do that. I hope it encourages you that the most gentle father you've ever known isn't worthy of it. It's too good for him. The most forgiving mother is not a candidate for that job. The most, whatever you like about whatever Supreme Court justices, they, they're not going to stand up and say anything in that moment. Why Solomon, the, the wisest man before the Lord Jesus, doesn't step up there? And I hope it encourages you to hear me say that me as a pastor and a Christian, we as Christians, we are no more qualified than you are for the job. But it's not encouragement that the Apostle John gets in verse 4 from this. He began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Now, why would that be? You may be thinking, well, this is a dream. This sounds like heaven to me if no one's going to open up God's judgment. Not for John. Not for John. It's the worst thing in the world to him. He is desperate for the scroll of God's judgment to be opened and God's enemies to get what's coming. And he also is desperate because that scroll is also a scroll of salvation. It's not just a scroll of judgment. It is a scroll of salvation for all those who love God. Listen to me. We know what the scroll is because of what happens after it's opened. 
And right away, judgment starts falling. But throughout these next several chapters, as the judgment is falling, God's people are being saved at the same time. So when you think about this scroll, that John, it's the most important thing in the world to him, is for that scroll. All his hopes are in that scroll. Because that scroll is all of God's promises. Everything he's ever said that he would do with the world. Which includes judging that which is evil. And those who are evil. But also saving those who will turn from their evil and trust in him. He's weeping desperately. Because in order for him to be rescued from this world of pain and death. For him not just to go to hell. And be delivered from this world. To a world of life and glory. That scroll has to be opened. And so he's saying, where is he? No one in heaven on earth. Where is he who I have been hoping in? When is he going to show up? Where is he? He doesn't charge the throne. He waits to see the one who all of his hope is in. That's why he's desperate. And we're to feel that. Because God waits for him to feel that and for us to feel that. It's not until after we feel this thing that has to be felt, that this scroll has to be opened. It's after that that all feeling like all God's good is going to be sealed shut forever. If the worthy one is not found. That then someone says in verse 5, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. So he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The scroll of judgment is sealed up. And then we're told to turn around And to find in our vision a mighty, conquering lion. To look and find the kind of person we would expect to find who would be able to approach that throne and take that sealed scroll. So point number two, the worthy one steps up. The worthy one steps up in verses 6 through 10. Verse 6, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lion. No. I saw a lamb. Look for the lion and then we see a lamb standing. As though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went, he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Beloved, it's my intention to invite you and to help you to worship him with me. Where did he come from? He didn't come From the places listed in verse 3. Not just in heaven. Not on the earth. Not under the earth. Where did he come from? 
I mean, we didn't, we didn't see him in chapter 4 whenever we were shown these magnificent creatures and mighty angelic beings around the throne. The worthy one steps up between the throne. Right there by the throne. He's in a position no one else is. He belongs even on the throne. To even say that he comes between the throne is to remind us. Who else could take that scroll from God but God? This is God's son. Whenever God is asked the question I'm asking in Revelation 5. Is anyone worthy? He gives his answer. My only son is worthy. And only my son is worthy. And I wonder what it means to you. If it means anything to you. That this God only trusts his son to judge. But that this God really trusts his son to judge. Uh, I mean, it, it, what comes to mind is, is kind of an ultimate season of The Apprentice. <laughs> but I feel like so much has happened since those were on TV. It may be too crude to use that as an illustration. Um, Maybe I think about you know how we're hiring a, a staff pastor and 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 so we're we're very aware and maybe you're aware in in your life of of this kind of question who would qualify for this task that I am imagining for this person and and in this case who would qualify who who could possibly win God's trust for the ultimate uh, job of judging God's enemies. And we're told not, not just where the worthy one comes from that, that qualifies him. Oh, of course, he qualifies to take the scroll. We're, we're given ex- explanations not just where, but why it is that the worthy one steps up. Or, or you can think about it. We're given explanations of how it is that anyone can take the scroll, when we know no one can take anything from God. And yet here we have God just happily giving the worthy one the scroll. Why? It's not just who he is as God the Son. It's not just who he is as the root of David, that human king, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that was promised to come and 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 rule God's people. It's not just that he is God and man. It's also what he has done, not just who he is. Why don't you just pay really careful attention to the reasons why we are told that he is worthy. Good worship songs like the one we find in verses 9 and 10. If you notice how those Verses look differently in your Bible. They're indented like poetry. The, the good worship songs like this don't just, they, listen, they don't just repeat man-centered drivel. Good worship songs teach us the truths that we need to cherish. And here they sing, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for or because 
you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on earth. Now. One thing I've made you wait for all this time is the sermon in a sentence. Let me give it to you now. No one's worthy to judge. That's the answer to the question. No one is worthy to judge. Except the one who saves. It's his saving that is given for the reason why he is worthy to judge. Verse 9, you are worthy to step up and, and take the scroll of judgment because you have saved. It is his saving that qualifies him for judging. Jesus Christ has on-the-job experience that no one else does. We were told earlier he has conquered. So he can take the scroll. Jesus Christ has conquered temptation. So he can judge those who fail at temptation. He never failed at it. He's in a unique position to judge sinners because he never sinned, even though he was tempted in the ways that we were. He's conquered. That's why he is able. He conquered the cross. He hung there on a cross, naked, in shame, being mocked. And he never succumbed to the mocking. Even though it wasn't deserving, he didn't lash out after them. He didn't try to crawl down from that cross. He conquered the cross by enduring the cross. And beloved, he conquered the grave. He is able, alone, to be the one who sends people to eternal graves. Because he conquered the grave. He conquered this world after he died at the hands of the people of this world and then conquered the grave. He then was lifted up out of this world because he is too good for it. And he had tables right now from his place in glory. Jesus is qualified to be the judge of every wrong. Because he has conquered every single thing that's wrong with this world. And he is qualified to judge. Because he accomplished all the mercy that God had promised to this world. We heard of an animal. We, 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 we were told, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, an animal of sovereignty and, and power and, and strength that we would, we would believe a lion would walk up to that throne. But then when we turned, we saw an animal of sacrifice, a lamb. A lamb who stands in the place of others, a lamb that is meek and mild, a lamb that is allowed to be killed. Not a lamb, or an animal that we associate with killing. Jesus has conquered death. Yes. But by dying. By 
allowing himself to die as a lamb, beloved. And that means for others because he didn't deserve it. He did it for sinners. I'm trying to get you to worship the Lord Jesus. And I don't know that it's working. So help me here and respond. This this one is worthy because he conquered. He beat Satan, your great enemy, that sin tempting snake who held you in captivity forever and would have held you into death and then taken you into hell. He beat him. Jesus, by his blood, ransomed, ransomed, bought. He was the his blood was the cost that that frees slaves, frees prisoners and buys freedom. It says that he ransomed slaves who belong to Satan and he rescues those sinners to now belong to God. He has conquered. And so he is worthy. He has restored. To God, a kingdom of people who love him. We we were made to be kings and queens. Did you know that we were made to reign on this earth and it and it and it stopped happening because of sin that came in and we wouldn't even worship God anymore. But it says here that the Lord Jesus is worthy of the scroll of judgment because he restored to God a kingdom of people who now serve him. By his blood. He has also fulfilled that promise way back made to Abraham that that there would be a blessing that would reach the whole world. And look at who does it. The Lord Jesus, you have. You were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus is not just going to hand little goodies that last for a lifetime. He is ransoming from every tribe. People for God to know God, people who could not know God, could not come to God by his blood. He has done it. No one is worthy to judge except this one who saves so totally. All of that. All in one worship song of two verses explaining how is it that no one is worthy and then all of a sudden someone shows up and says, that's my scroll. Give it here. God lets it go. I wonder, Christian. What this vision can't get you through. What is it in your life that this vision can't get you through? God's standards for this assignment are out of this world. I don't just mean that to be cute. But he totally and only trusts his son. No one is worthy to judge except the one who saves. We weren't worthy. To open the scroll because we were worthy to receive the judgment that was in the scroll. It was about us and what God was going to do to us. But we, like John, can go from despairing if it's not open to then overjoyed because it is open. It says here that. That, that, that when 
the worthy one steps up right after this. Uh, it says that they are right, right before this in verse eight, it says each of the elders fall down before the lamb and, and, and they throw at his feet the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. What, what, what that's saying is that all of our prayers that we've ever prayed, they have carried to his feet. It means all of our hopes belong there. We give all to him. Every prayer, every hope, every longing for good from God is a hope that we have only in Jesus. Him taking that scroll means that everyone who trusts in him alone is totally safe from every judgment in that scroll. Because he has borne all those judgments for us. So will you allow this vision to change your life? Can we, because of this vision, set aside every doubt of Christ? That he's not done enough, been enough? Can we set aside every question we have? Can this help us when we're tempted to disobey him? Because he stepped up like he always does. I pray that Revelation 5 will help all of us to hold on no matter what hardship comes because Christ is coming. As saints have said for a while now, Christ is coming to make everything sad come untrue. No one is worthy to judge except the one who saves. We had a scroll of judgment sealed up. We had a worthy one step up. But to this point, we've seen a lot more than we've heard. I mean, it, you know, in this vision, at, at least with the exception of what we heard from John weeping back in verse 4, it's lar- the, the people who were witnessing this have been pretty silent. And that seems pretty inappropriate. I can tell you that as a preacher. Huh. You know. I wonder at times, is this thing on? Whatever the thing is. There are lots of times where I hope I'm preaching better than you're responding. No. And no one's responding until verses 11 through 14 when everybody everywhere speaks up. Everybody everywhere speaks up. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and every creature on earth and every creature under the earth and every creature in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne, And to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And then in verse 14, the four living creatures said, 
Amen. I haven't said all that much to y'all about y'all. I don't think. Because all, uh, all our eyes have been on the throne and the one who stepped up to it. But I want us to consider just as we close a few things. First, I want to say something to those who are not living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody, everywhere, shows up in this passage twice. Everybody, everywhere. And that means this right here is your future. The first place is in verse 3, where you are just like me, not worthy, not worthy. Worthy to be judged, but not to judge. And let me tell you, Revelation 6 through 19 is going to unpack the judgment, and it's terrible. It's terrible. The second place where everybody everywhere shows up is in verse 13. Did you see it? Everybody everywhere says blessing and honor and glory and might go to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever. It means you're going to say it. It means there's an expiration date on your denying of him. There's an expiration date of all your rebellion against him. And so I tell you now, why would you wait? Do not let this scene be the first time you do this. Because if you do, it's the last thing you're going to do before that scroll is open and hell is opened. All of history is headed to everybody, everywhere, agreeing that God is worthy and his lamb is worthy. All doubts and all delays will one day be no more. So I ask you, why not today? Why not? Why won't you put your name in the people of verses 9 and 10? Why won't you say he is worthy because he was slain by his blood? He ransomed me and he saved me from every kind of tribe, every kind of people, every group of people, every kind of sinner. No matter how great your rebellion has been, he shed blood to save every kind of person. Why not you? Won't you join us now? I would love to talk to you after this about that but you can just cry out from where you're sitting and he will save you the last word i want to give or to to those who do believe i just want you to notice two things simply the two responses that are appropriate to this moment number one everybody everywhere speaks up and specifically they sing out Revelation 4 and 5 is a worship service that has five songs. And this is how we are to worship God. I understand why people 
when they when they say how was worship today and what they're talking about is music. That's too that's too simplistic. But I understand why you do it. Because this is a primary way that we respond to the Lord is through singing. And yet there is a second response. They sing out, and then secondly, they amen loudly. <laughs> they amen loudly. And it ain't just the girls who are amening. Tough guys, come on. Who are you impressing? I intend to preach a sermon about the amens in Revelation. Let me tell you what the amens were like back then. It was a vigorous, not a dignified amen. You think that's the way they responded? Amen. And all the men just being quiet? You think you're going to do that? Don't do it now. A few decades after this was written, they were talking about how, what amens were. And they were, they were called shouts and applause. They shouted. If you see this vision. No one's worthy to judge except the one who saves. You should sing and shout. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would use it and make us a people who are found in that passage, worshiping happily, desperate to see the Lord Jesus open that scroll. God, make it so. God, forgive us for how dignified our worship has been and make us people who sing out and shout aloud because he's worthy of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.